Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. Waiting sucks. There, I said it. Let's be honest. We all find waiting to be difficult, right? I, I can't be alone on this. Do you remember as a kid, you'd be in a store and you'd be looking at toys and you'd be hoping your parents would buy you just one of them and you'd get the response saying, well, Kevin, uh, maybe for Christmas. And you're like, what? It's August. <laughs> I hated that response and it reminded me because I was just doing the, that to my kids the other day. Well, add it to your Christmas wish list. But man, waiting is hard. Pope Francis once said, we are impatient anxious to see the whole picture, but God lets us see things slowly and quietly. The church has to learn how to wait. Whew. You know what? In the waiting, it can be so easy to question. It can be so normal to doubt, but there's another reality at work. One we can't always see without help, but it starts with how God moves in the world. So what I want to show you tonight is how we can wait with hope. You see, the story of life, just like any story, any narrative, it has an arc. It has a beginning and it has an end. And, and the narrative follows the arc. But every arc is made up of many plot points. So remember that today is simply a plot point along a larger arc. COVID is just a plot point along the larger arc. In other words, don't confuse the moment for the whole story. I'm not sure about you, but when I think about it in this way, this, this story of life in this arc, I'm kind of looking for where am I on this? Like kind of like looking at the, the map at the mall for that you are here sticker. But I think the difficulty comes is that we don't often know where we are. Of course, we can make plans and we envision things one way or another, but oftentimes it's a bit of guesswork. And I believe it's the uncertainty that drives us to become impatient or fearful or to stop trusting that God is good, loving, and faithful. But you see, by stepping back, and looking at this arc, this life as a whole, it reminds us that our stories can be one of hope, even though they have plot points of hopelessness. It reminds us that our stories can be stories of faith, even though we've doubted, we've shaken our fists, we've screamed at the top of our lungs. It reminds us that our stories can be stories of joy, even though we might be broken. Emily P. Freeman writes this. If you feel stuck in a hopeless place today, I don't want to rush you to joy. Maybe you need to spend a little time letting the darkness do what darkness does. Nourish, strengthen, and hold. The darkness can invite us into a mystery, a place where we don't know the answer. We know that seeds need to bury down deep in the ground, sometimes for a long, long time. Eventually, those seeds will break open and take root, but first, they have to settle into the darkness. Still, that seed carries within it a narrative of hope. It just hasn't lived into the whole story yet. Remember that today 
is a plot point. Don't confuse the moment for the whole story. Because we are living in the kingdom of God right here, right now, while we still continue to wait with hope for the kingdom to come. So tonight I want us to look at Matthew 13, which begins with Jesus sharing a story or a parable to the disciples. And then they ask him, why does he speak in parables and stories? So at the beginning of the chapter starts off with the disciples coming up and asking, why do you tell stories? Jesus replied, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. But if there's no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories, to create readiness, to nudge the people toward receptive insight. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it, listen till the blue in the face and not get it. Later in verse 31, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air can come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Did you notice that all of these stories or parables are about waiting? But more than that, I believe these, these stories reveal that there are natural, unforced rhythms of creation. That if we learn to see them, if we learn to lean into them and embrace them, it will, it will allow us to live in an unhurried way. It will allow us to wait with hope. My heart for you tonight is that wherever you're watching this or listening to this, is that you will learn how to wait with hope because of the natural God-created rhythms of creation. So the first rhythm, is that there are seasons. There is a time for everything. As soon as I say that, I instantly think of Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 8. There's an opportune time to do things, a right time for everything on earth, a right time for birth and another for death, a right time to plant and another to reap, a right time to kill and another to heal, a right time to destroy and another to construct, a right time to cry and another to laugh, a right time to lament and another to cheer, a right time to make love and another to abstain, a right time to embrace and another to part, a right time to search and another to count your losses, a right time to hold on and another to let go, a right time to rip out and another to mend, a right time to shut up and another to speak up, a right time to love and another to hate, a right time to wage war and another to make peace. That was the message translation, which is the Bible in contemporary language. But you see, there's a natural rhythm to seasons. Each season brings with it something different. You have spring, which bursts forth new life. 
You have summer, which brings more daylight and helps plants and vegetation to grow quicker. You have the fall, where temperatures drop, many trees lose their leaves, but it can be a great season for planting because roots can grow all winter. And then you have winter, which brings the colder temperatures, allowing things to slow down and be refreshed. There's a great book by Mark Buchanan called Spiritual Rhythms, and he helps explore whether or not we're living in rhythm with the season of our souls. Fantastic read if you want to check it out. But what I love about this rhythm is that I believe it shows us that God is patient. He's even so patient that he invites us to be part of what he's doing. And oftentimes it's our sin and rebellion that slows things down. But you see, God's patience flows out of his love. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. You see that the first characteristic of love is patience. And, and, I, and I love that. We have a patient God and that patience flows out of his love for us. Aren't you glad for God's love and patience? I know I am. But the second rhythm I want us to see tonight is that there are beginnings and endings. Just like the beginning of Ecclesiastes says, there's a right time for birth and another for death. And this is interesting because death is so painful. It seems so abrupt when it happens, and it is. But death is actually all around us. Death is in the DNA of life. All around us, all the time, life and death are in close proximity, dancing together. And they've been doing so our entire lives. See, it's often through death that life comes. Ends generate beginnings. And as followers of Jesus, we claim to have new life because of his death. Do you remember what happened at the end of Jesus' life? He was killed and he died, but then he rose from the dead and his friends didn't recognize him. Like, bit of a bummer, right? Like, what? I'm back from the dead. But here, the writer John tells us that Mary saw Jesus after the resurrection, but didn't realize it was him. So Jesus asks her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? John 20, 15 says, thinking he was the gardener, she said, wait, what? Did you catch that? Thinking he was the gardener. This is loaded. Jewish writers do things like this all the time in their writings. And they record these seemingly random details, but they hold so much depth and perhaps multiple layers of meaning. John is doing something intentional here, and we need to pay attention. In biblical hermeneutics, the study of the Bible, there's something called the principle of first mention. So whenever you come across a significant word in a passage, you find out where it's first mentioned, where it first appears in the Bible. So here you have the empty tomb, and you have Mary's inability to recognize Jesus, and she mistakes him for the gardener. So where's the first mention of a garden in the Bible? Well, Genesis 2, the story of Garden of Eden, God placing the first people in a garden. What happens to this garden and to these people back in Genesis? Well, they choose to live outside it 
of how God made them to live, and they lose their place in the garden. Death enters the picture, and paradise is lost. But here, John tells us that Jesus is buried in a tomb, in a garden, and Jesus is mistaken for the gardener. Can you sense that something more is going on here, that he wants to show us something? I believe that John wants us to see a connection between the Garden of Eden, which brought death, and Jesus rising from the dead in a garden, bringing life. John is insisting that there is a new Adam on the scene, and he is reversing the curse of death by conquering it and by bringing life. As Acts states, it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And he's doing it in a garden. He's reclaiming creation. He's entering into it and restoring it and renewing God's plans for the world. Don't you love it? Jesus is God's way of refusing to give up on God's dream for the world. Jesus is our hope as we journey across this ark. Because of Jesus, there is hope. Because of Jesus, life is not hopeless. Which brings me to our third rhythm. There are sunrises and sunsets. As I think about this, this ark of life, and the ark of life as a whole, and I visualize that ark, I'm kind of picturing a sun, a sun rising and a sun setting. And it's just something that happens day in and day out. We can count on it. We can bank on it. And the same is true of God's faithfulness. We can count on it. Just like the mustard seed that's been planted in the ground or the yeast that's been worked in to the dough. It might not seem like God is up to much, but he's saying, be patient. Wait with hope. You see, God has already acted in and through Jesus. Now we get to wait with patience and with hope for the outworking of these events. Just like people in the morning who know that the sun has risen and are now waiting for the full brightness of day. See, we get to wait with patience. We get to wait with hope, knowing that the sun will rise, knowing that Jesus is at work, renewing and restoring all things, and knowing that Jesus is coming again. But just like the rhythms we see in creation and just like the stories Jesus told, we're reminded that transformation takes time. It's not an overnight thing. Transformation comes slowly. It works outward from the place where the change begins, whether in our hearts or whether as a seed in the ground. But we can be confident in the promises of our faithful God that he is at work. And the last rhythm I want to look at is that there is enough. It might not be so much a rhythm, but it's part of the DNA within creation. We can have a theology of scarcity where we're trying to hang on to everything, or we can have a theology of abundance where we trust God for everything and we know that in him there is enough. 
In John's Gospel, chapter 4, Jesus tells a woman at the well, in fact, this is where we get our church name from, he said, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh living water. Everyone who drinks this water, referring to the well water, will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. Jesus is simply saying, I am enough. And if you're familiar with the story, he then tells her to go and get her husband, to which she responds, she doesn't have a husband. She's had five husbands, and the man she's living with now isn't her husband. See, she's been chasing. She's been chasing the myth of more. I think it's a myth that we all get caught up chasing time and again. If I just had more of this, if I just had this, if I just had a bit more of this, but rather than chasing more, what if we discovered enough right where we are? What if we actually lean in and embrace the natural God-created rhythms of life, of seasons, of beginnings and endings, of sunrises and sunsets, and embrace knowing that with Jesus, he is enough? Rather than chasing more partners, more money, more success, more stuff, what if you simply discovered exactly right where you are, who you're with or not with, what you have or don't have, is simply enough? Today, perhaps your next right thing is just to slow down long enough to see what's taking up space in your life. To stop looking all around at everything else, but to just settle in and listen to the heart of God. What's Jesus saying to you? You know what? He promises to be with us. He promises to be with you. Are you willing to wait with him? Are you willing to wait with hope? I'm going to transition right into worship tonight with a song that Chris, Brianne, and Amanda recorded last spring called Waymaker. And it's a great reminder that Jesus is our waymaker, our miracle worker, our promise keeper, our light in the darkness. And then it goes on to say, my God, that is who you are. And then the bridge, I, I love the wording. It just says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. So tonight, let's continue to worship together in song. Take a moment to reflect on the rhythms that we've discussed tonight and ask God to show you what he's doing in and through you and around you. And then I'll close in prayer following the song. Let's sing together.
and that you recognize Jesus is at work and you are invited to participate with him and be in a relationship with him out of his love for you and for me. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for being our way maker. Thank you for making it possible to be in a relationship with you. God, Thank you for continuing to work in our lives and in our world, even though we may not see it or feel it. 
Just as the sun rises, we know that we can count on your faithfulness and your steadfast love each and every day. God, thank you for being our hope in the midst of our lives, in the midst of this current pandemic, and in the midst of us not always knowing what's going on. But God, we know that you are still good and you are still faithful. Thank you for your promise of always being present with us in the midst of it all. May we continue to follow you wherever you go and wherever you lead. And help us to not be afraid, but to be patient. Jesus, help us to wait with hope. We ask all of this in your name. Amen. Thanks again for joining online together with us as we celebrate three years as the Well Community Church. Thank you for your faithfulness, for your continued support, generosity, and know that I am praying for you. I miss you, church family, but I look forward to the day that we can meet together again and celebrate. But for the time being, I will continue to wait with hope. May the grace and peace of Jesus be with you this weekend and in the days ahead. Amen.